Welcome to the Valley Church. Our mission is to see changed lives, and we hope this relevant teaching inspires you to take the next step in your journey. Thanks for checking out the podcast and enjoy the message. Well, good morning. My name is Mark. I'm one of the pastors here. I want to welcome everyone joining us online. We're glad you're with us too. So we have some giveaways. Uh, what's our first giveaway? We have um, cheese puffs and Swedish fish. I'm pretty sure when I was single, that was a dinner of mine at one point. I mean, you, here you eat the cheese puff, then the sweet, you just alternate back and forth, I'm telling you. It's like peanut butter and jelly, you know. Or, and the winner is uh, Kevin Glover. Kevin, congratulations. And I'm pretty sure I read in the Bible, you don't have to share that on Father's Day. So, all right, what do we have next? A Heron's gift card. That's not a, that's a good one too. Let's see here. The winner, Matt Smitley. Don't let those girls get a hold of that, Matt. And uh, tackle box. Yeah, filled with tackle stuff, I know. Fishing stuff. I don't know. I go fishing and I never catch anything, so. Steve Stiffel, congratulations. Awesome. So uh, happy Father's Day, all you dads out there. And uh, also just like Mother's Day, I know for Father's Day, some of you, it's a tough year, right? You've lost a father or it's, it's just the less, one less uh, person at the table this afternoon. So our prayers are with you as you grieve too. Uh, this series uh, is a heavy series. Uh, it's uh, intentional, uh, elephant in the room. Last week, Carrie did a fantastic job kicking off on depression and suicide. In fact, I was out of town last week, so I listened to the podcast of that yesterday. I took the kids to the pool. At the pool, you know, you get 45 minutes before the adults swim, so I got 40, I can listen in 45-minute increments. Uh, and so she's just so many, if you haven't listened to it, there's just so much truth. I mean, just, she is so knowledgeable and so much wisdom. Uh, and so, like I said, a couple weeks ago with this whole series, including today and next week, um, it's heavy. It's hard, uh, and if you have questions or want to process, just reach out to me, and, and we'd be happy to do that. Uh, staff, especially on this topic, they're like, what are we getting ourselves into? This, this topic today on, is on gender identity, and um, if you know anything about this topic, it seems to be a highly polarizing topic. <laughs> is that an understatement? Um, but I'm a firm believer that we don't just ignore hard topics. Um, we don't pretend that they don't exist. Uh, in fact, I don't really mind. Uh, the, thing I, the thing I feel so inadequate about preaching about is, is being a husband and being a dad, actually. Those are the two topics, parenting and marriage, that I feel so humbled. Uh, a lot of these other topics, I don't mind diving in. Um, I've been praying every day for the last three months, particularly with this week and next week. Um, and just God's protection over that. But our, our heart, I, I remember telling Jess, my wife, before we started this location five years ago, if we can figure out through the Holy Spirit's help how to balance grace and truth the way Jesus did, look out. But it's going to take the Holy Spirit doing it. And I want to be a church that does as best as we can. Because the thing with Jesus, the people who were living their lives out of order of the way God designed in every form, shape, or fashion— did you ever notice in Scripture, they loved being around Jesus. They really, really enjoyed being around him, but they never left an encounter with him 
without colliding with truth. He just would call a spade a spade, but they still wanted to be with him. And I'm like, man, I want that to be so prevalent in my own life and as a church that that's just who we are. And one of our values is come as you are. This topic, obviously, today, I'd wrestled for a while. How do we go about this? Um, it does, I remember my wife said, you kind of put in your bullseye on your back with this one. I, I get that. We are. But um, a few months ago, we held a training here on evangelism and multi- church multiplication. And at lunch that day, um, one, of the, one of the presenters said, hey, you need to come with, with us to lunch. There's a gentleman here by the name of AJ. You need to hear his story. I said, okay. And so I sat for the next 30 minutes and AJ Beck shared his story that deals a lot with this topic. And as he's sharing that, I'm, you know, the Holy Spirit kind of nudged me. I don't, this, this one didn't take a lot of like, it just was evident. Uh, I said to AJ, hey, I'm, we're actually doing a sermon on this topic that you're talking about with your own life story in June. Uh, I would love to have you come and share. I can't think of any better way to tackle this topic than to have someone share their story. And he corrected me, and he's done this many times. He's like, Mark, this is not my story. This is God's story. This is not AJ's story today that you're going to hear. This is God's story and what God can do in and through someone's life. And before I welcome AJ up on the stage, and we welcome him, I just also want to acknowledge the courage that this guy has. He's going to share things that I don't want everyone to know my stuff, <laughs> because, uh, but he's going to just be real, and he's going to be raw with us today. Uh, and my prayer is, and I know even after first service, numerous people came up and said, man, God really spoke to me about something, not even maybe on this topic, but somehow God spoke to them because that's what God does. So would you just give a big Valley Church welcome to A.J. Beck as he comes up this morning? Morning. Well, AJ, um, let's just start with this question, because uh, we had a lot of conversations even after that lunch a couple months ago, and um, one of the things was, when did you first have an encounter with Jesus? My first encounter with Jesus was on the sidewalk in front of my childhood home when I was four years old. I remember it was July, it was very hot, I was playing with a Tonka metal dump truck, and someone came up behind me. And I couldn't see them because the sun was behind him. So it was just a silhouette. And he told me, he goes, I love you. And I don't want you to ever forget that, that I will always be with you. Four years old, I didn't think much. Uh, A little bit later, my mother came out and she's like, who are you talking to? And I said, Jesus. And she goes, it just kind of, years later, we had a conversation. And she said, that day kind of freaked me out. She said, because if you heard Jesus's name in our house, it wasn't in a good way. And so, um, I am the youngest child of an alcoholic, abusive father and a dysfunctional mother. As much as I love my mother, they just never should have had children. Um, I have two older sisters and I have an older brother. Uh, My father, as I said, was very abusive. He was a truck driver. He came home on Friday night. He left at Sunday afternoon and the whole weekend was just filled with violence and abuse. When he left on Sunday afternoon, my brother took over where he left off. My brother hated me because he felt that after I was born that my mom quit loving him and he wanted nothing to do with me. So this is where I'm coming from as I'm growing up. So about the age of 14, I realized I'm like, there's something wrong. 
there's just, I couldn't put my finger on it at first. It's like, there's just something wrong with me. I'm not like everybody else. What is going on? And then one day it came to me and I realized that I identified as what we now call transgender. I actually believed I was of a girl. I wanted to live as a girl. I wanted to be a girl. And as I got older, I wanted to be a woman. And so I felt who I was. And it's just, this is my, this is my identity. Um, of course, the time I grew up in, that was totally unacceptable. And, you know, it made me even more of a target for bullies. And the only respite I ever got was at Halloween because I could dress up and no one questioned it. I had one day a year where I felt like I could be my true self, even though I realized later that wasn't my true self. About the age of 27, things started to change again. And I started to realize, it's like, you know, wait a minute, no, I'm not a woman. I'm, I'm just a gay man. And living, I grew up in Finley, Ohio, and it was a small town. There weren't any opportunities for me to do anything in the community. And it's like, so it was just a secret I kept to myself. Um, after my mother passed away, she passed away in 1999, I moved up to this area in 2000. I live in Toledo, outside of Toledo, Ohio, and I just threw myself into the bar scene. If the bar was open, I was there. I was working there, plus another job. I was there all the time. That became my community. That became my family. That became the people that I trusted. And I am not proud of this, but there were many times that I left that bar and drove an 8 to 10 mile trip home on I-75 that I don't even remember. And thank God I never hurt anyone else, never hurt myself, and never got pulled over. That was God looking out for me. So you're now, how old are you at this stage? Not now, but at, at this stage of your story? At the stage of my story, I was in my early 40s. Okay. And uh, there's an encounter you have with God that yes. involves Ricky Martin. Yes. So <laughs> that should pique your curiosity. So yeah. please tell. <laughs> okay. Um, Ricky Martin was one of my favorite singers. And I took care of my mom for most of my adult life. And she watched General Hospital. And he was on that. And I just I liked his music. I thought he was a cool guy. And uh, I came home from work that day. It was November in 2010. I don't remember what exactly happened. But I had a really bad day at work. I wasn't in a good mood to begin with. And I turned on this TV. And I'm flipping through channels. And all of a sudden, I stopped on Oprah. Because Ricky Martin was on. And... As I'm sitting there listening, it just so happened to be the day that Ricky Martin publicly came out that he was gay. I would have thought that would have made me happy. This is one of my favorite celebrities, favorite singers. Like, yes, here's someone just like me now. But it had the exact opposite effect. I flew into a rage. I was so angry. And I just kept saying, no, no. No, I trashed my bedroom and I threw myself on the bed. I stared up at the ceiling and I just yelled, God, why do you hate me? And in that moment, everything changed. All of the air went out of the room and I felt the most intense sense of fear I ever knew in my life. And in that moment, I realized that I was in the presence of a holy God, and I saw how truly sinful I was. And whatever it was he was doing to protect me was the only thing keeping me from being vaporized. And then I heard the audible voice of God. And he told me, I don't hate you. I love you. 
but the way you're living your life is totally unacceptable to me. So um, here I am on my bed, and finally the air came back into the room, and I dropped to my knees beside the bed, and I just started praying, forgive me, forgive me, forgive me. I threw away out all my adult video collection. I never went back to the bar. I left the community, and I haven't ever been back since. So that's not the end of the story. <laughs> no. Um, Walmart... You know, so we had Ricky Martin, that got you cliffhanger. I'm just going to say the word Walmart. And a lady at Walmart yes. played a key role in the next Next season. step of my journey. Yeah. Uh, I started reading the Bible for the first time in January of 2011. I'm now on my 12th read-through, and I just find it amazing every time I read it. I was looking for a church, and I couldn't find one. So once again, this is July, actually. A lot happens to me in July. Um, I was going into Walmart. I belong to a gym called Snap Fitness in Toledo, and there's a small group of us that we like all worked out together. We had a trainer. And he, as I was going into Walmart, two of the women from my class were coming out. And I went, hey, how are you doing? She's like, oh, fine. We just came from the gym. I go, what are you doing here? She goes, I just had this sudden urge that I needed to be in Walmart. And I just walked around and didn't get anything. I don't know why I'm here. And she goes, what are you doing here? I said, I just got to get a couple things. And she saw, I had a bracelet on that says, smile, Jesus loves you. And she goes, oh, I like your bracelet. Where did you get that? I go, I got a bunch of them in my trunk. You want one? She says, sure. She goes, where do you go to church at? And I said, I, I don't. I'm still looking for a church. And she said, well, why don't you try my church? It's called Hope Community Church out on uh, Star Extension in Oregon. And I said, okay. She goes, now me and my husband are there during the summer because he has another job up in Michigan. But we'll be back in the fall. You know, if you decide you like it, hopefully I'll see you there. So I drove out that Saturday. <clears throat> I didn't want to be looking for it on a Sunday morning, found it. Sunday morning, I went in. Everybody was super friendly. Uh, I still remember I sat second row from the back, second seat in. Uh, Brandon Williams was our preacher. And part of this story is it's interesting how God works because the way Brandon's vacation schedule fell that year, he wasn't there the Sunday before I came, and he wasn't there the Sunday after. He was there that Sunday. So he finishes up his sermon, and uh, I, don't, I like this place. I'm, I'm going to come back. And once again, God spoke to me, but this time kind of internally, and he's like, oh, no. He goes, you're going to go up, and you're going to tell this man everything that's going on in your life. And I'm like... Uh-uh. And he was like, uh-huh. So I debated back and forth about this. So I get up there and had my cowboy hat and everything on. And I'm standing up there. And of course, you know, everybody likes to talk to the pastor after the service. And there's this one woman talking to him. And she's going on and on and on. I'm standing like, please let me go. Please let me go. So finally, he finishes and he turns to me. And he says, hi, I'm Brandon. I said, hi, I'm AJ. He goes, what can I do for you, AJ? I said, I've been living as a homosexual and I want out. And he looked at me and he said, boy, that's an awful big mask to drop with somebody you just met. And I said, you don't understand. I'm at the end of my rope and I don't know what else to do. And Brandon told me, he said, AJ, I cannot promise you along your journey that everyone will show you love and grace. But as long as you come to this church, I will. And he hugged me. And I flinched because the only thing I knew from men was violence. And another interesting part of this story that Brandon told me shortly after this was, he goes, you know, a friend of mine recommended a book. 
And I was reading this book. And he goes, and I got to chapter four. And he goes, and I thought, yeah, this doesn't apply to me. And I skipped it. And he goes, I felt the Holy Spirit say, you need to go back and read chapter four. And he goes, yeah, 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 yeah. He put it off for a while. And finally, he said, okay. He went back and read chapter four. He's like, fine. I read chapter four. Chapter four dealt with how do you deal with somebody that comes to your church and comes out as gay? And the next Sunday, you showed up. God's alive and well, you know. Um, you know, one of the things I want to pause here and, and lean into something. This wasn't intentional or strategic to have you come share on Father's Day. Mm -hmm. In fact, I think my wife said, this is quite an interesting topic for Father's Day. I said, well, it just, wasn't, just happened. But, but again, God in his goodness, um, in our conversations, you had shared very early on about, like you did today, about your home environment uh -huh. and your own dad and and even in the uh -huh. gay community of those so many who have had tough yeah. father situations could you just and again this goes well beyond even you know um, gender identity and, and same-sex attraction yes. that kind of stuff but what's your advice to dads I guess and and just some things okay. you've even studied or read yes uh Fathers, you are so important in your children's lives. Maybe more important than sometimes you realize. Not just your sons, but your daughters. Uh, some of the studies I've done, because I like to self-analyze and try to figure out what caused this in my life. And a lot of the studies I've read said that most male children, about the age of four, they start to separate from mom. Mom's been the caretaker. Mom's the one they run to when they had the boo-boos. And they still do that occasionally. But around the age of four, they start to gravitate towards dad. Because dad is different than mom. And I want, dad does cool stuff. And I want to be like dad. And it's the same for the daughters. The statistics find that for the most part, women will choose one of two men. They will choose men that were like their father because they thought he was the greatest guy on earth, or they'll pick guys that are the exact opposite because they're desperately trying to find what their father never gave them. So it is very important to be involved in your children's lives. Statistics show if a child comes to church, the mother may come. If the mother comes to church, the children will definitely come. If the father comes to church, the whole family's going. That's because God gave us a role as leaders he gave us a role in the family as the head of the family to love as Christ loved. And we do that by being examples for our wives and our children. So I can't overstate that enough. Your children need you. They need the dad. They need to be with it. I was told them in the first service, I took a class with my former boss, my day job. I work at Bass Pro Shops in Rossford. Um, my old boss taught a class called Men's Fraternity. And we had 67 people sign up. No, it was 63. We had 63 people sign up, 63 guys. And he told me, at week three, we will lose half the class. And I said, why? Because at week three, we start discussing our relationship with our dad. And if they weren't good ones, most men can't handle that. And sure enough, at week three, we dropped from uh, 60, 63 to 27 guys. Because they just couldn't handle it. Because it's hard for men to talk about brokenness, especially when it involves their dad. You know, I think it's so easy to just look at the topic that we're covering today on face value. And we don't tend to want to lean into 
deeper things behind it um, and pull back the layers and realize there's, there's, it's, this is not just a um, gay straight <laughs> issue. This, there's, there's a lot of aspects to this. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I, think, I don't think God was silent on this topic personally. Uh, I think when it came to how he created men and women, I think he was very clear on that for, at the beginning. I think his view, God's design for marriage, again, it's my view, I guess, but how I read scripture, God was pretty clear on it. Uh, Jesus actually, in Matthew 20 and, and Mark 10, reaffirmed what God has designed. It was a question about divorce, actually, but he reaffirmed then man will leave their mother and father and they'll be united as one. But I think what we have to grapple with as a church, and I'm sure there's all kinds of different opinions here, especially those online, um, and, and, and that's fine. But I think we have to realize that there is truth. Mm -hmm. And then what's it look like to be seasoned with grace um, all throughout? Seasoning isn't just put in one little sp spot, right? It's <coughs> seasoned all throughout what you're cooking. <coughs> So I think the question is then, what's, the, what's it look like for the church? Um, I, again, I'm going to go back to a story. I want you to share the story of when a new pastor okay. was being uh, voted in or something yeah. like that and a conversation you overheard. Yes. Uh, <clears throat> uh, on my 10th anniversary, I was supposed to share my story at my church, Hope Community. But unfortunately, that was the day Brandon, our lead pastor, decided to step down. He just didn't feel that God had a vision for him for the church anymore. And we were looking for a new pastor. We were without a new pastor for almost a year. And we ended up, Jacob Halls became our pastor. Now, Jacob had come to Toledo about two years into my, he was going to launch our East Toledo campus and be the pastor of that. And he did that for several years. And then he moved into another aspect of church-related stuff. So when he came, it wasn't, it wasn't as jarring because we already knew who Jacob was. But by Nazarene policy, he still had to go through everything. He had to go through his interview. Uh, he had to do a meet and greet. And he showed up for the meet and greet, and he was backstage. Nobody knew he was there. Uh, I remember one woman, when they showed his picture on the, on the screen, him and his family, she's like, why do they have Jacob's picture up there? If you haven't figured it out by now. But anyhow, before this, we were out, in, I was out in the lobby, and one of our volunteers, Doreen, was in a heated debate with these two older gentlemen. And I couldn't hear what they were saying, but after it was over, I walked over and Doreen was just frustrated. I go, what was that all about? She goes, they want to talk to the new pastor because they don't want those people in our church. I go, those people, yeah, LGBT, they don't want him in our church. And they want to make sure that he's strong on that stance. And I looked at her because at this point she didn't know. And I thought to myself, boy, you're a little late for that one because I'm already here. And it made me think, and this is just what I will say to everybody in this room, just as I said in the first service. I understand that this is a divisive topic. I understand that everybody has very strong feelings about this topic. I have strong feelings about it, and I experience it. But anybody that walks through the door, they're seeking. God is calling to their heart. They're seeking. If for any reason you are not comfortable or you don't agree, that's fine. That's why we have free will. But if they say anything to you, and just by chance somebody might say, are you gay-friendly, gay-affirming, they're feeling it out, just say, you know what, I don't know how you feel about these things or what's going on, 
but I know somebody who does. Let me introduce you to him. Don't shut that door on somebody that God is reaching out to just because you don't agree with it. Because I realized recently, I don't get to decide who goes to heaven or hell. I have no say in that whatsoever. That frees me up to just love people. And once you do that, it takes such a huge burden off your shoulders because you can now look at anybody and say, hey, whatever you're going through, you're welcome. Everybody's welcome in church. I think that's, yeah, I think that's critical. And it goes with one of our values, come as you are. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean that truth has to be abdicated. It just means that Let's let the Holy Spirit do what he's good at. I, I came to that conclusion in my own life a few years ago. The Holy Spirit's really good at what he does, and he doesn't need my help. In fact, he told me I, he needed to, I need to take care of my own issues instead of worrying about others, you know. Um, it doesn't mean that you don't teach truth, but realizing that every one of us who came in today has a story, right? Um, and if we've met Jesus and had an encounter with Jesus, then our mess has become our message, right? We've all had, we all have a mess. <laughs> we all maybe have a mess currently, but that's part of our story. And, and that, I think even today has helped me understand even more why we need to have this conversation. Yeah. This series is about conversations, and I don't want the conversation to even end necessarily this morning. That's why I said if you need to reach out, reach out to me. Um, because if we don't talk about it, it stays hidden. And when things stay hidden, that's in the darkness, right? And we have to bring it to light. Shame and guilt and all those other things, that, that stays in dark. This stuff has to come to light. Yes, and the most important thing, too, is no matter what you're struggling with, if God puts it on your heart to share it, share it. Because there may be somebody else that's going through the exact same thing that you are. And I know a lot of people seem to think, I'm the only one that's ever experienced this problem. But no, you're not. And if they have enough courage to say, hey, I'm struggling with alcohol or drugs or whatever, have the courage to say, I did too, let's talk. Share that story because God's a storyteller. He's been telling a story since the beginning of time. And we, our stories are so valuable, and we don't realize the impact they can have on lives until we tell them. And, and speaking of sharing that and doing it in community, you did a similar Q&A with Jacob at mm -hmm. one point at your home church, uh, and he did something cool at the end of that dialogue. Would yes. you share that? Um, when I shared my testimony, I would always skip over the transgender LGBT part. I would always skip over that. And... I realized that by doing that, I'm not giving God the glory because this is not my story. This is the story of what he's done through me and I'm just the mouthpiece he's using to tell it. So when Jacob took over, we had talked and he goes, you know, I don't think we need to share it with the church. Maybe small group setting, maybe we'll do it that way. And it was uh, back in May of last year, I was at work, it was a Saturday and he texted me. He said, would you be willing to share your testimony tomorrow? And I said, the whole thing. And he said, the whole thing. Absolutely. So we met for lunch that day and we talked over how we were going to do it. And Jacob, we did a question and answer like this. And I just shared my story the same way I'm sharing it now. And at the end, Jacob said, if you have been along this journey with AJ for any part of his journey, would you please stand up? And about 15 to 20 people stood up. And it was effective because at that point, several members of the church are like, 
because they're seeing. This isn't the first time everybody's hearing it. I've had a support system. I don't need to shout it from the rooftops. People knew it as they needed to know it. And this was my circle of support. Brandon was the first one to stand up. And it just meant the world to me that I was able to look out and tell these people, thank you. Because I don't know where I'd be right now if it wasn't for you and what God has done. And he put you in my life for a reason. So I was just so glad he did that. There's, yeah, so much. We have no idea when someone walks in here on a Sunday or when you're watching us what they're going through. And it's that, this has been a reminder to me of loving people for where they are. Let's let God do the work, but let's love them for where they are. And that's, that's from a smile to learning their name, to engaging them, to inviting them into things like Alpha or, or into, uh, into a life group or into a serve team. We can't do this alone, right? The, I, the concept of Lone Ranger and Christian, not in my Bible. <laughs> it's impossible. We are meant to do life in community as modeled, frankly, by the Trinity, And I don't know what even each of you brought in today, but I have a guess that some of you brought in some heavy stuff. Uh, it might, it's not going to look the same as AJ's, but it doesn't, it's still heavy, and it's still weighing you down, and maybe it's bringing guilt or shame. Uh, I, I want you to know this is a place that you're going to be loved. We're not going to walk away from truth, but we're going we're to love where you are. Uh, and maybe you just need to even mark a connection card. I just want to put a life group on the alpha. We're going to get you into some level of community so you can be known and that someone can walk this journey. The one another's in the Bible. Yes. Love one another, pray for one another, encourage one another. There's a lot of one another. We have to be a church that one another is one another, right? One another is one another. Oh, DB, uh, the, the way God is still telling this story just fascinates me. Even to this point, he added something to it this morning before first service. Um, I am now a district licensed pastor in the Church of the Nazarene. Somebody saw that in me years ago and asked me to go into it, and I did for a little bit, but I ended up stepping away for a season, and then Brandon thought, you know, you need to be back in this, but I'm like... I can't afford to travel to where the classes are, and my schedule just doesn't work out with an online schedule. So he talked to uh, Jeff Kunselman, who was our district superintendent at that time, and he explained to Jeff that there's a great need for this, that there are people that want this that can't afford a college degree or for whatever reason can't do it. So what they did was they created the Toledo School of Urban Ministry, and there are seven of us in it right now, and it's a pilot program to see how well it works. And Brandon did that for me. And so it was interesting when... Brandon stepped down a few years ago, we found ourselves right back in that same spot where we had first met 10 years previously. Only now our roles were reversed. I was comforting him and offering him support, and I was pastoring my pastor. And it was just, just amazing. And then I, I was sitting here during one of the songs, the Waymaker song, and I was thinking, and the Holy Spirit told me, you're not done. Because I thought when I went to district license this year to get renewed, as I got ready to leave, they had the EMT trainee fly in there go, hey, we want you to attend this. And I'm like, okay. They said, well, you're the only one we've asked. I was the only one my church asked to come here. Nobody else. And the first story the speaker told was how he met a man on a plane who was gay. 
And he was trying to share his story with him and everything. And I came up afterwards and shared my story. And then he hooked me up with Mark and it just snowballed. So God is still working using this even up to this morning because somebody needs to hear this message. That you only find your identity in Christ. You only find your identity in God nowhere else. I never found it. I was blessed. I say I'm blessed now. It wasn't a blessing at the time, but God never allowed me to have a relationship with another guy. Ever. I wanted to. There were people I was really attracted to, but no, it never happened. They didn't want to be with me. And I'm looking back now and it's like, if I would have taken, even one person would have said yes, I probably never would have walked away because I was that desperate to be loved by a man. Not realizing I was already loved. And, uh, that brings us to the Bass Pro story. <laughs> yeah, this, this might challenge some of you. Uh, it's okay. Uh, but so you identify now as what? I still identify as same-sex attracted. I have many people after they hear my testimony go, sir, are you straight now? I said, no, I am not straight. But straight is, heterosexuality is not my goal. Holiness is. I'm focused on God. I'm not focused on my sexuality because it's only a small part of who I am. So that's well said. So let's talk then about that because what did God challenge you with then as a result of that? Okay. I was laying in bed one night just before I fell asleep and I heard God in my spirit tell me, if you never find love, would I be enough? And I'm like, no, that's not fair. You cannot ask me that. It's not fair. No, it's not fair. It's just not fair. So probably a couple weeks later, I was leaving, receiving, and I was working in the fishing department at Bass Pro at that time. About halfway through, he stopped me. If you never find love, will I be enough? And I dropped to my knees, and I'm sure this is on videotape somewhere. I dropped to my knees, and I started crying, and I said, yes, if I never find love, you will be enough. Yeah. I... I you know, and I thought about theology because I'm a geek, but I thought, you know, there's a, a thing called sanctification uh, about being set apart, being holy. And so often we think about salvation, cross line of faith, and then sanctification is that second work. And it's, it's about eradicating sin in one's life. And that's true. But it's about saying my life is fully set apart. God, whatever you ask me to do, whatever you ask me to do, I will do it. That's incredibly hard, what he's asked you to do, right? I mean, to say, uh, just be frank, right? You're to be alone, mm -hmm. potentially. Now you're going to say you have your church community, but yeah. you know what I mean. Yes, you know what I mean. Absolutely. I come home every night and I come home to my two cats now because I adopted after. <laughs> By the way, I have four kittens at our house, so if you want any more cats, no, I'm good. Uh, I'm that good. goes for any of you. I'm They're good. still there. Okay. Yeah. No one's taking me up on it. Come on now. Pictures will be coming out soon, by the way. Um, but that really hit, because I'm like, that, that got real to me. I mean, it's all real, but that's like, that's someone who said, I'm surrendering. Mm -hmm. And I told you it's going to mess with some of you, and that's okay. But, but it can't mess with you in the fact that you're <laughs> being obedient to what he's asking you to do. And I think the other thing, too, as we talked about a little bit earlier, is, it, is if God is asking you to share your story, to share it. Because after I shared my story at Hope, one of the women there, I had no idea, she has identical twin sons, and she came up to me afterwards, and she goes, I need to talk to you. And I go, okay. She goes, first of all, thank you for sharing. She goes, my son Sean just came out that he's gay, and I don't know what to do. Identical twins. I said, Roxy, there's nothing you can do but pray and 
pray for him and love him. She goes, he knows it's wrong. He knows how I feel about it. I just, what do I do? Just love him, Roxy. He's still your son. Just love him and let God do what God does. And so when I shared my story, several other people were able to hear it. They were able to say, now, Roxy can come and talk to me about things that she doesn't feel comfortable talking about with her son, things that she is afraid could hurt him, but she knows she can vent with me because I know what he's going through. And I can give her advice about that. And it's just been, for her, it's just been wonderful because now she has somebody she can say, because she's like, I don't know what I did wrong, AJ. I go, you didn't do anything wrong. You didn't. We live in a broken world. It's just one more broken thing. And so it's important. Like I said, it's important if you have testimonies, if you feel God asking you to share them, share them. Take that courage. Step out. It's not easy being up here sharing the most deepest secret parts of your life. I told somebody after the first service, I said, I never actually came out. Ever. My friends, my um, sister and people figured it out. But I never really came. And now I'm talking about this stuff when I'm kind of back in. And we talked in the first service. I said, you know, when you read in the Bible that Jesus says, once you accept Jesus, you're a new creation in Christ. A new man has come. The old one is gone. And I didn't realize that until it's been a while back. Uh, my best friend, Dan, from the, when I was in the community. Dan and I had known each other for 15 years. We hung out together. We partied together. You know, we were bartenders together. We did all this stuff. About a year ago, I ran into him in the Walmart in Oregon. Ohio. And I said, hey, Dan, how's it going? He goes, good. How are you? And I go, fine. I go, still working at the uh, factory? Yeah, I'm working at the factory. I go, so you uh, uh, still bartending? He goes, eh, not too much once in a while. Oh, uh, Who are you? I said, it's AJ. And he goes, AJ Beck? Uh-huh. What happened to you? So I told him. And then he's like, so how did the church handle that? I go, they were pretty cool about it. And they've accepted me. And I have a whole different life. So here is somebody that was a major part of my life for 15 years that didn't even recognize me. <laughs> There's a lot more we could talk about, but we're going to end here. This is heavy, right? I mean, it's heavy. Uh, it's kind of by default, the topic is heavy, so it's going to be heavy. But I think we, need, we needed to talk about this. To me, it's like you said, this is, we're sharing stories in this, this series, and we're having conversations. And um, I don't know if, this, how, if it was the best way or not, but I think, I think this, I wanted them to hear your story. And that's what I said today, I am the elephant in the room. Yeah, <laughs> here's early for sound check today, and the graphic came up, and he's he goes, am I the elephant today? <laughs> yes, AJ, you are. Yeah, I am. <laughs> um, but I just, I want to be, I want us to continue to be a church that we already are, frankly. A church that is both truth and grace. A church that people can come as they are. And I always then caveat that by saying, but not to stay as we are. I don't want that for my own life, do you? I mean, I want to be continually transformed. I want to be continually renewed. I want my love for people to grow. I want my love for brokenness to broken people to grow. Uh, my, I want my love for God to grow. Uh, I don't want to be the same today as I was mm -hmm. yesterday. I know uh, I'm not. Yeah. And as part of that new creation thing. I don't, right? recognize, I don't recognize who I was and I have no desire to ever go back. Yeah. <laughs> and so 
I don't know what God spoke to you. I had a couple people talk to me after first service about encounters with God earlier today that were somewhat related to the topic, but in some ways not. But God reminded them of a couple things about the grace that he had given them in their lives and how they were transformed and they were a new people. And it was just that hope was renewed again. So again, we're going to continue next week. I'm going to talk about cohabitation. Uh, and that's going to probably, that's going to really hit home for some, uh, and that's a heavy topic, um, hence elephant in the room, but again, God was not silent on that either, and I just, uh, I hope that my heart and the heart of our church and our staff and leadership is coming out in this series that we're not going to just um, say that there aren't absolutes and that truth doesn't exist, but yet we want to do it in a way that models how I think Jesus would do it. That's just my prayer. I just want to be as close to, we just want to do yeah. church as, as much as like Jesus would and that people then could become whole and they could become complete. That word shalom I talk about a lot, that there would be that wholeness and that completeness and that we would keep moving and moving and moving to the eventual end, which is a new heaven and a new earth where all this junk is eradicated. But all that stuff, but I'm a firm believer. It doesn't have to get worse and worse. If the church is doing what we're supposed to be doing, that we should be getting closer and closer to actually what the end looks like. Yes, there's going to be evil and there's going to be poverty and there's going to be sin and all that. But man, the way I read the Bible, we should be knocking down more of the gates of hell and we should see more lives transformed and more people healed and more people set free. And I just want to be a church that does that. So. And since you said that, we didn't bring this up in the first service about the Bible part. We didn't talk about it. Yeah. Because I have told people, it's like, unless you are really sound on your theology and everything else in that Bible and know it front to back, verse to verse, never, ever engage anybody in the LGBT community because they have been felt so beaten down by the church. They know that Bible inside and out, and they will try to trip you up on every single thing until you're so confused they walk away and say, bam, gotcha. And he knows, I mean, he's, you know, that, that, so, um, hey, would you just join me again in thanking AJ for his vulnerability? (laughs) Thank you, sir. He he made it look easy, but the courage that takes, and he hasn't done this a lot, um, to come share his whole story is just insurmountable. And I have no doubt, AJ, that it's, it, it impacted my life, both services, and I have no doubt for many out here too. Um, and who knows in what way going forward. Would you stand with me as we close today? I'll leave you with a benediction from uh, the closing from um, Numbers chapter 6, and then I'll give you some instructions on what to do in the atrium, which is more lighthearted. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you, and may he give you peace. May we live in that peace. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just pray that you would Use the story of AJ as you already are to see countless lives transform. I pray, God, for each of us, whatever you're asking us to do, whatever hit home for us or whatever we need to to reevaluate or even, I don't know, whatever it is for each of us, would you just reveal that to us? Maybe it's something on the the father and parenting thing. Maybe it's on, on having more truth in our life. Maybe it's having greater balance of grace in our life. But God, through your spirit, would, would you help us be a church that models what Jesus' church would look like? And we pray that in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. 
To stay up to date with our weekly messages, make sure to subscribe and follow us on social media. You can check us out on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, or download our app to stay connected with all things The Valley. And if today's message impacted you, share it with a friend, because changed lives change lives.